Our first reading today comes from the Old Testament book of Psalms, reading from Psalm 19, verses 1 to 14. Listen to the word of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to, the, to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And from the Gospel of John, reading from chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen, and may God bless to us these readings from his holy word. I don't know if you noticed the harvest moon this week. We were fortunate to have a couple of clear nights that gave wonderful views. They were the kind of nights that make you stop and marvel at the beauty of something that we can sometimes take for granted. Have you ever had a moment like that? When you have been awed by a sunset, or the array of stars on a clear night, or indeed a moonlit sky? Have you ever stood still before the sea and paused to marvel at its power or its sheer vastness? Have you watched the sudden turning of the seasons with delight and thankfulness? 
Have you marvelled at the delicacy of a flower in full bloom? Have you been amazed at the beauty and diversity of the creatures that live in the sea? And what about the variety of creatures on land and in the air? Have you ever just stopped for a moment to look because you can't quite take in the beauty of what lies before you? For the director of music, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In an article called What Life Means to Einstein, which appeared in an American paper in October 1929, Albert Einstein was asked by the interviewer if he was an atheist. He replied no and explained his answer in this way. I'm not an atheist. The problem involved is too vast for our limited minds. We are in the position of a little child entering a huge library filled with books in many languages. The child knows someone must have written those books. It does not know how. It does not understand the languages in which they are written. The child dimly suspects a mysterious order in the arrangement of the books, but doesn't know what it is. That, it seems to me, is the attitude of even the most intelligent human being towards God. We see the universe marvellously arranged and obeying certain laws, but only dimly understand these laws. I suppose you could say what Einstein was kind of pointing to is that while creation cannot tell us all things about God, it can point us towards him. It can make us consider the possibility of a creator. For some, creation and creative order is what starts their journey towards God, giving them pause to think of the possibility of a creative hand in all that we see and encounter. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 19 that creation declares God's glory and creativity, his majesty. And Paul makes this same point in his letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 20. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. In Psalm 19, verses 3 and 4, we are told that God's creation speaks to people everywhere. Basically, there is no language barrier. It doesn't matter whether you live in Scotland, Syria or Samoa, Perth, Scotland or Perth, Australia. Creation can speak to us. Now we can choose to ignore what creation whispers to us, but we cannot escape it. The psalmist says, the heavens are telling the glory of God. Basically, creation continually points us to God, and in doing so, and if we let it, it can cause us to pause and indeed to worship. 
but I want to point out a couple of things. First, some misinterpret the message and instead of worshipping God the creator, they worship the creation. And secondly, I think there is something else we should be aware of too. It tends to come into focus at this time of the year when many churches recognise and celebrate the autumn harvest as we are doing today. God gave us stewardship over this creation. And when we think on that, I wonder how we think we are doing. Speaking honestly, we've probably not done as well as we could or indeed should have. So I suppose that you could say that not everything you see in creation will be a true reflection of God or indeed point us to God. For example, we are using more and more of our resources of water and fuel than we need. In fact, we often squander it. We live as if there is an endless supply. We continue to upset the balance of nature and so some endure the hardship of drought or flood and the things that come with them, like disease and poverty. There is more than enough food for everyone, but some hoard and some exploit and some withhold and so some suffer. This is not the world God created. This is the world we are creating. And so none of these aspects of creation reflect God's power and nature, his invisible qualities. And yet there is still enough in our world to cause us to stop and consider the possibility of God. Now, although creation provides us with some knowledge of God, it does not provide us with the fuller understanding of God that we need. For example, a person can look at creation and basically know or understand that God exists, but knowing that God exists does not tell us what to do with that knowledge. For that, we need to read his book, the Bible in order to know God's dealings with humanity, his will for us, his revelation in Christ. In fact, it's only as we learn of God from scripture that we can truly begin to live as God intended. The first part of Psalm 19 talks about God revealing himself through creation and theologians call that general revelation. That means that we can have a knowledge of God as well as a knowledge of right and wrong which can be obtained through nature. This general revelation of God's existence and basic morality can be known by everyone. However, the second part of the psalm talks about God revealing himself in a special way, what theologians call special revelation through scripture. Verses 7 to 11 focus on this special form of revelation. This section gives us more detail about how God reveals himself through his scriptures. Through creation, God reveals power and glory. Through the scriptures, God reveals his will through laws, statutes, precepts, commands and ordinances. And the psalmist tells us that scripture is perfect, trustworthy, radiant, meaning it gives light and that it's more precious than gold. Scripture reveals details about God's character and his expectations of his creations, his people. But God did not stop there. He knew that people would need more 
And so there was what theologians, theologians call the ultimate form of special revelation. And Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 summarises it best. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In the person of Jesus Christ, God came to identify with us, to set an example for us, to teach us, to reveal himself to us, and most importantly, to provide a way back to him for us by humbling himself in death on the cross. Jesus Christ is the ultimate special revelation from God. And what scripture tells us and what Jesus tells us is that general revelation is not enough to bring a person into a right relationship with God. And so this is the last instruction that Jesus gave his disciples, what's called the Great Commission, where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. And how do we do that? We plant seeds. And we do that by making his name and his love known as widely as possible. We share his story. We seek to serve not only him, but also the community in which God has placed us, scattering seeds locally, but also out into the wider world. God still cries out through creation, through scripture, through Christ. And as always, listening is optional. But what is not optional is that if we have had that encounter with God, if that seed someone else planted within us many years ago, if others watered it, watered it and with God's help it grew and drew us into a relationship with him, then we are called to do the same for others, to scatter God's seeds of invitation, of welcome, of love, acceptance, justice, forgiveness, mercy, so that they take root in others and they can come to know him too. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he is asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but the man doesn't know how it happens. God wants us to be passionate about planting the seeds of his story, so it will have the chance to take root in the lives of others and begin to grow. We may not understand it, we may not see its incremental growth or it coming to full fruition, but Jesus says that is the way the kingdom of God grows. God has spoken through creation, through the prophets, through scripture and through Christ, but he also continues to speak through the words and the actions of his people. People like you and me planting seeds and never, never underestimate the power you have to change a person's life or even change our world. A kind word, a bold stand or a, a thoughtful gesture could grow something amazing. So let's be sowers of good seeds and trust God to bring about their growth. generous, loving and life-giving God, we thank you for the precious gift of this world 
and for the glory of the creation in which it is set. We thank you for sustaining us in life and nurturing us each day of our lives as we grow in faith and commitment to the good news of Jesus Christ and in growing awareness of our responsibility to nurture the life of the world and our duty to care for all creation. We thank you for your word and scripture in poetry and prophecy and law and the living word who is Jesus Christ, one with you in the beginning through whom all things were made. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that brings us to new life in Christ, leading and inspiring us to bear witness to your goodness, glory and love. O oh God, you have promised to hear all our prayers offered in the name of our Saviour Jesus Christ. Hear us now as we pray for our world and all its peoples. Creator God, we pray for the farmers of our land, those to whom we owe our harvest and all whose labour and dedication enables us to share in the bounty of this world's resources. Grant your help as they plan and prepare for the coming year. We pray for farmers in other lands, denied the resources they need to cultivate their land, overwhelmed by drought, flood or other disasters, oppressed by exploitive regimes or economic systems loaded against them, both they and their people unable to enjoy the due fruits of their labour. Grant them hope, help and justice. We pray for those who bring in the harvest of earth and sea, minerals, oil, gas, fish, a harvest often involving danger to life and limb. Grant them skill, courage and protection. We pray for those who help reap the harvest of minds, teachers, students, researchers and scholars, each striving to expand our knowledge and enlarge our understanding. Give them patience, dedication and integrity. Creator God, hear our prayer for all who make available the innumerable and diverse riches of your creation. Equip, inspire and guide them in their work, so that they may steward your gifts wisely to the good of all. These are our prayers, and we bring them along with the quiet ones of our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. And we close with a blessing. The blessing of the Lord God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and always. Amen. <laughs>